is NBA Draft Night, and I have a heartbreaking baseball that I know you will all disagree with, but I'm going to explain my theory behind it. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, general ages, it is June 22nd, 2023. This is Brandon's World live on this Thursday. And as always, you can go on that little Twitter machine, type in at Brandon Lewis underscore seven, and make sure to give me a follow. You can also follow us on Twitter, the show at real underscore people. We are available on all audio and video podcasting platforms. Now, as I said on Tuesday's show, unlike the NFL draft, where you can have anywhere from, I would say, 30 to 50, maybe even 60. That's for all the rounds, right? First, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round picks producing. And, you know, you can do a lot of film study. And these kids have had three years of college, and we kind of know who they are coming into the league and that they're rookies, whether it's quarterbacks, receivers, defensive linemen, running backs, corners, linebackers, they can make an impact almost immediately. In the NBA, which is, by the way, the easiest league to win a championship, I believe, of all the four major pro sports, but it may be, outside of baseball, the hardest to draft because these kids are young. Uh, they come in either from the G week, which has become a legitimate, and some you know people prefer it uh, over playing college basketball. And as we talked about this year, when it came to March Madness, a lot of the top prospects in the draft were either overseas or playing in the G week. So you have overseas, you have the international talent, you have the people that are playing in the G week. Uh, you have some very good, some very high-talented college prospects in there as well. But a lot of these kids, they come in, they're immature, they make a lot of money early, they're 18, 19 years old, they make bad decisions, uh, they don't have an NBA body yet, and they are not ready to carry a franchise. Yet, there are these players, and sometimes they're not even the number one pick. Obviously, Michael Jordan, the third overall pick in the 1984 NBA draft. There are players that do go number one. You're LeBron James, 2003, Cleveland Cavaliers, number one overall pick. About every 20 years or so, we get who we think is the next GOAT or a very good generational-like player in the NBA draft. This year, I believe 20 years after the Cavs selected LeBron James with the number one overall pick, as I said in the 2003 NBA draft, we have another generational talent in Victor Wembanyama. We also have two other talents who I think if Victor Wembanyama was not the number one overall pick in this year's round to consensus unicorn of potential generational talent. Scooter Anderson is certainly in that conversation. Whether he goes two or three to Charlotte is, I think, a fit question more than a talent question. And obviously, whoever they don't pick, 
I believe, a Portland will select Brandon Miller. Now, whether he stays a Blazer or whether Portland trades that pick, sounds like the Clippers are very interested in moving on from Paul George. At this time, by the way, I'm recording the Wednesday night before the draft. So if there's any trade news that happens overnight or anything like that, just know that this was recorded the night before the NBA draft at around 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So, again, you know, these kids come in the league, they're 18-year-old, they're kids, they're not ready to change the franchise. But this guy right here, Victor Wembanyama, the guy that's going to be picked tonight when you're listening to this podcast by the San Antonio Spurs about 8 and Eastern time. I have said it for the last year and really since February when we started diving into a lot of the NBA, obviously post-NFL season, I think one of my big segments uh, right after the Super Bowl, was talking about this kid, Victor Wembanyama, And I said at the time, he is NBA ready, and when he grows his man body, this dude is going to be unstoppable if he stays healthy. The biggest concern for guys like Joel Embiid, who was very nimble coming out of Kansas, but he had foot concerns. Obviously missed his first two years before making his debut for the Sixers in 2016. Big concern with him was injuries. Zion Williamson, with his ferocious style, when the Pelicans drafted him, the biggest concern was obviously injuries and weight with the force he put on that knee. And both of those guys have dealt with injuries and, uh, you know, a little bit of injury proneness throughout their early NBA career. Obviously, we saw Abu Benkiro last year. Or excuse me, not Bubba Bankero, Shet Ongram for OKC go down with an injury uh, in the summer league last year. So with all these big guys, the biggest concern for them is injuries. But if Victor Wimbanyama stays healthy, once again, I think he's Giannis Antetokounmpo at this point. Obviously, it took Giannis, what, six, seven years to develop into a top, you know, four or five. Some people even put him in his in their top three of NBA players. Giannis was not Giannis when he debuted for the Bucks. Obviously, Kawhi Leonard was not Kawhi Leonard when he debuted for the Spurs. You know, LeBron James wasn't even that guy, LeBron James, when he debuted for the Cavs. We all know how long it took Michael Jordan. Obviously, got Scottie Pippen, and then once he broke through and beat the Bad Boy Pistons, and then Celtics team, Michael Jordan went 6-for-6 six six when he did make the NBA Finals. But it does take time for these generational talents to groom. Victor Wembanyama. It's going to take time for the San Antonio Spurs to get a team around him. We do not think Greg Popovich, who I've always thought, ever since Tim Duncan has lost, has kind of ran the Spurs dry. I think it's time for the Spurs to go in a youth movement at coach. Uh, but he is going to get maybe one of the best coaches in the history of the NBA to coach him for a couple of years. Hopefully the Spurs get some more talent around him. But I believe this guy, if he breaks through Victor Wembanyama year one, can be a difference maker in the NBA and in the Western Conference. I'm not saying championship, but could he get to the Spurs to the playoffs? He absolutely could. I think the expectation should be the playing tournament. The Spurs should absolutely be a 7 through 10 seed. Then whether they win that playing tournament and move on to the postseason, who knows? And I'm not going to indict Victor Wembanyama if he doesn't win a playoff series in his first season. But I think this kid is special. 
Uh, he can pass. He can shoot. He can rebound. He can play defense. He, can, he has point guard-like skills. He does everything that you want a franchise-caliber talent to be. Humble at the microphone. Um, just, just a really good guy. Doesn't get into trouble. Quiet leader. Can play ball with the rest. And again, has already been humbled a little bit overseas playing in France. I think the dude will turn the San Antonio Spurs into a perennial franchise once again in the coming half decade. Now, the debate at number two or number three, as I mentioned, comes from the forward with Brandon Miller. We all know the trouble he got in at Alabama. We know he has some baggage, but he was by far the best player in college basketball this year, even if Alabama did not win that crazy March Madness tournament. And then there is Scoot Henderson who I believe is a carbon copy of Ja Morant. Now, we all know Ja Morant's issues off the field, and as I said on Tuesday, I thought 25 games suspension was fair, and we here at Britain's World hope Ja Morant can get his life back together, and Ja Morant can stay out of trouble, and Ja Morant can stay on the court, because when Ja Morant is on the court, Ja Morant, for me, is a top three watch in the NBA. And by the way, Victor Wembanyama, he's not even in the league yet, and I think he's going to be a top three to top five draw next year in the NBA. Scooter Anderson has that same athletic ability. Uh, he can shoot like crazy. He can play the one. He can play the two at his size between 6'6 six, six and 6'8. Six, he can also play the three. Again, one guard handles, can jump like crazy, can shoot very athletic. Just think of a bigger John Moran. That is Scoot Henderson. The question is, do you pair that with LaMelo Ball? Because we all know LaMelo Ball is sort of a Trey Young, White, Steph Curry, White type player where he can really shoot the ball, he can distribute, but he does need the ball in his hands. Charlotte obviously has a new owner. Do they want to make the splash? And do they want to put a dynamic backcourt together? And as I said in the NBA, you know, we're seeing it now with Donovan Mitchell, Darius Garland. Uh, we saw it with Damian Lillard and C.J. McCall. We saw Russell Westbrook, James Harden, Kyrie Irving, James Harden, Kyrie Irving, Luka Dantage. When you have two guards as your two main, and I, you know, emphasize main as your two very much ball-dominant, ball-scoring guards leading your team in scoring, if your front court does not have a lot to do with it or you're not sharing the ball, it doesn't necessarily need leads to wins. You can get to the playoffs with it occasionally, but it's never going to win you a championship. So does Charlotte want to pair up Romello with Scoot Anderson, who, again, I think is a better talent than Brandon Miller, or in a league where you really need wings to win championships, do you want to take the chance on Brandon Miller and the new owner and the new culture there in Charlotte guide him along. It's a very tough choice. If I was the new Charlotte Hornets general manager, I would probably pick Scoot Anderson just because of the shirt talent that he has. We talk about the NBA, you know, it's still a superstar week. Even though it's not as much of a superstar-driven week as it once was, it's more about do you have one superstar and maybe another star and a lot of depth as opposed to, you know, one superstar and two or three stars, and who cares about the depth, the era of the super team is over. Uh, I think Scooter Henderson has a real chance to be a multi-time all-star, a dominating player for years to come. 
There's a lot of people, and you can make the argument now, that think John Morant should have been the number one pick in that draft over Zion Williamson because of Zion's concerns. Scooter Anderson in next year's draft would be the number one overall pick. But you're dealing with, again, a unicorn, a generational talent in Victor Wembanyama. There's no doubt about it. The Spurs are off the clock. The Hornets are, are already on the clock. Now, as I mentioned, will the Portland Trailblazers do what the Boston Celtics did today? Of course, the Celtics made a trade. They 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 moved off on Malcolm Brogdon. They ended up getting Christos Porzingis, which from a basketball standpoint, I get you get a little bit longer. Ideally, Porzingis is healthy. Tatum, Brown, Porzingis, that's a great trio if they're all healthy. But Christos Porzingis is obviously never healthy. Does Portland... A, trade Damian Lower. Do they want to just blow it up? Do they want to go young? Or do they think Damian Lower is a one and you can get a two in all George? Trade that number three pick to the Clippers, who alongside Kawhi Leonard, they need a healthy star. Uh, and does the Clippers take Scooter Anderson or Brandon Miller? There's a lot of rumors surrounding that. And maybe Portland and, you know, the Clippers essentially swap the number three for Paul George because the Blazers also have two other first-round picks in this upcoming draft. To me, if I was Portland, and I love Damian Lord, and I get it, Damian Lord wants to stay in Portland. The issue is, I don't believe Damian Lord is a number one. I said it, I think he's one of the top twos in the NBA. I think he has the mindset of a one, but the game of a two. Very opposite of guys like Kevin Durant, who I think has the, has the game of a one mindset of a two. Anthony Davis, game of a one mindset of a two. I think Damian Lillard has that mindset of a one, but the game of a two. Where again, in this day and age, and what's your name, Steph Curry? I don't know if you can be a top player on an NBA championship team from the point guard position. The NBA is still very much a center and wings league. As much as we like to say that Golden State and Seth Curry and the three-point shooting got rid of centers, we all know that's not really the case. Uh, the point guard is a very important position uh, in the NBA, but I don't think it is the position. I think the most skilled positions in the NBA are still at the wings. Now, Boston has two wings, but they don't have a guard. Um, so, again, very complimentary. Uh, Jamal Murray, Jokic, you know, white tandem is what you need. You need two really good scores. But I don't think Damian Lord and Paul George are enough to win a championship. Neither do I think it's Damian Lord and Scoot Anderson or Damian Lord and Brandon Miller, which is why maybe you try to trade Damian Lord for another eye pick and you can get two eye picks. You shred the salary and you can start rebuilding that way if you're Portland. To me, that's really enticing. Again, knowing Damian Lord is age 33, age 34, age 35. The worst thing you want to do in the NBA is get trapped uh, with an aging superstar with a contract that you can't get out of. And I can see Orwin being trapped with Damian Lord and an injury-prone Paul George. Clippers-wise, I would get it, right? Kawhi Leonard's always hurt. Paul George is always hurt. You bring in the young guy, whether it's Miller, who, again, I think is a very good game. I think Brandon Miller has a chance to be a productive scorer and a very good player in the NBA. 
I don't think he's going to be a superstar. I don't think he's going to be a star. I think he's going to be a very good player that could be a number three on a championship team. Again, when he matures, when he grows that man body. Scoot Anderson, Victor Wembanyama, I both believe can be number ones on a championship team. Victor Wembanyama, I think, could be, you know, rookie of the year right there with Scoot Anderson. I don't think you can go wrong with either of these two kids. Uh, now, I'm not going to talk about the rest of the NBA draft. The NBA draft, as I mentioned, is such a crowd shoot. There are so many players, so many different needs that team needs. And as I mentioned, there's a lot more miss rate when it comes to the top picks in the NBA rather than the NFL because in the NBA, you don't get a gist of a lot of these guys. Whether they're one and dones in college or whether they are overseas or whether they're in the G League, um, at 18, 19 years old, you know, we change. My personality has changed from three or four years ago. Uh, my likes, my dislikes, my interests, my voice, my eating habits, my living situation. I mean, everything changes for you when you are a teenager. That's a lot of pressure to put a lot of money in the hands of these kids very early. I think the way Victor Wembanyama, the way Scoot Anderson has answered interviews really impresses me. And I don't love the way that Brandon Miller said that Paul George is his GOAT because uh, we all know Paul George is not the GOAT. Um, but I hope you do enjoy the NBA draft. Again, I don't go in depth with it as much as the NFL just because there are so many moving parts and there's not as much of impactful players. But the NBA draft is very important because how do we get guys like LeBron? How do we get guys like Giannis? How do we get guys, you know, like Steph Curry? Uh, how do we get guys like Joel Embiid, Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard? Sometimes these guys are in the mid-rounds, but yet they grow up, they mature, they become superstars. And so you see this man behind me, my virtual background, and if you're listening on audio version today, that man is the Angels DH slash pitcher Shohei Otani. Now, there's been this debate over the last couple of days in sports uh, around Otani because FS1 show host Craig Carton said that Otani is not the best player in baseball. Even though Otani obviously leads the Angels and leads MLB specifically in every single statistical category in hitting and pitching. But Craig said you can't be the best player if your team has never made the postseason. And I thought about that. And, you know, we go through the list of the best players. Obviously, we think Tom Brady is the GOAT in the National Football League. In the NBA, there's been a lot of best players. Uh, you know, whether it's been Shaq, whether it's been, you know, Evan Durant at times, whether it's been Giannis, whether it's been LeBron, whether it's been Jokic. Almost every single player that we declare is the best player in the NBA has a ring when we declare them the best player in the NBA. Obviously, the NBA is the superstar-driven league where one player can just take it over. It's, it's why we make the list of the best players in the NBA more than we do in the NFL. Because in the NFL, you know, what we all acknowledge, Patrick Mahomes is great and it's probably the best player at this point in the NFL. Now that the GOAT, Tom Brady, is no longer in the league, you have guys like Joe Burrow, you have Josh Allen. Uh, you have defensive playmakers such as Aaron Donald, Hassan Reddick, 
Micah Parsons, you have your Jamar Chases, your Justin Jeffersons, you know, you have your Jalen Ramseys, you know, you have basically guys at every single position that could be considered, you know, maybe as impactful, though the quarterback position is obviously the most important in all sports. In baseball, though, it's different because, you know, you don't have to have a great second baseman. You don't have to have a great shortstop. You don't have to have a great catcher. You don't have to have a great first baseman. You don't have to have a great third baseman. You don't have to have a great left fielder, a great center fielder, a great right fielder. You just have to have one or two great players. It doesn't matter the position. And obviously, you need good to great starting pitching. The idea is to stop evil from scoring. But you know that teams are going to get runs and you're going to have good and bad outings. And as I talked about, you know, a lot of times in baseball, if you hit 300, uh, you're going to the Hall of Fame, which, of course, every time you step up to the plate, you're only hitting the ball uh, in the field for a hit. 30% of the time, which is remarkable when you think about it. And so for that reason, by statistical measures, Shohei Otani is the best player in baseball. I will give you that. However, I'm going to make you an argument that Otani is technically not the best player in baseball because there is no best player in baseball. For the longest time, you know, I've heard, oh, Babe Ruth is the go to baseball, and nobody, you know, alive still today, I don't believe, has ever seen Babe Ruth play. And if they are, they are very old, like in their 80s and 90s years old. Uh, there are some people who watched baseball growing up in the mid-2000s in the steroid era that said Barry Bonds, and this is true from what I read, grew up at the very end of the Barry Bonds era when he was big with the Giants, uh, that Barry Bonds was the most unstoppable hitter anybody has ever seen. Yet, and I say this yet, the Giants never won a championship with Barry Bonds on their team. So for the last decade, I've heard Mike Trout is the best player in baseball. Yet again, how can you be the best player if you never won a World Series or even made the playoffs for that matter? For a couple years, I heard Bryce Harper may have overtaken Mike Trout as the best player in baseball. Yet, when Bryce Harper left the Washington Nationals to go to the Philadelphia Phillies, you know what the Washington Nationals did that year? They won the World Series. How many times have we seen baseball teams be under 500 at the trade deadline, make a whole new team at the trade deadline, and win the World Series won the championship. They didn't have the best pitching all year. They didn't have the best hitting all year, but they got nice pitching. They got very good, solid pitching in the postseason. And in the postseason, they got very timely hitting with both power and conduct and situational hitting. That's what I've always said about baseball. It's about good pitching, stopping people, and good situational hitting. It doesn't matter if you're the best player statistically. You could go... 10 for 10 with five doubles and five home runs. If nobody else in your lineup can hit, you're not going to win games. Baseball is not dependent on you. Now, obviously, lineups can look weaker. I mean, if you have a whole team in 150 or 200, that's different. But most baseball guys, if you look at baseball, if you even look at the best players' averages versus the middle of the pack average, they're pretty similar. 
And I know all these baseball people want to talk about OPS and war and all these other advanced stats. And you've heard me talk about this a whole bunch on the show. When I do talk baseball, which is no one of baseball, I don't care what the advanced analytics say. I don't care about launching. I don't care about any of that crap. Do you get on base? Do you score runs? Do you prevent runs? That's what I care about. Um, you know, a lot like the NFL, the analytics say go for two here, more about the feel of the game. It just is. Analytics in the NBA say shoot the three. If I can get two points in the mid-range, I'm going to take the mid-range. So analytics I agree with in some spots, I disagree with in others. I think they're good at times, I think they're bad at times. I think in baseball and, you know, slowly coming into football, they're getting used over too much. Um, but again, Otani is a special player. There's no doubt about it. He can pitch. He can hit. He's one of a kind athlete. And I get it why a lot of people think he's the MLB's best player, though the MLB does not market him. And I can barely see him. They barely put him in any television spots on on time, which is completely on MLB and not on show A Otani and not on Aaron Judge and not on some of these other stars like Jazz Chisholm for the Marlins, who I only knew about because he was on the cover of uh, MLB The Show 2023, the video game. I only knew about Juan Soto from playing MLB The Show. So, you know, I mean, there's guys like Juan Soto and Tatis who are on the Padres and you know, I don't even thought the Padres were going to be good this year. They're not. They're under 500. With all the additions the Mets made this year, they're under 500. Star power does not matter in baseball. What matters is pitching, timely inning, and, again, very productive hitting, whether it's a base hits, doubles, home runs, a little bit mix of everything. In baseball, in my opinion, you're only as good as your next starter. You're only as good as your next hitter. Next to the NFL, you can make the argument because obviously NFL players, they don't play both sides of the ball. Baseball, though, is the ultimate team sport because Otani could quote-unquote carry the Angels or Aaron Judge could quote-unquote carry the Yankees. And you look at the numbers. They go 9-14 and 14 without them or, you know, whatever it is. And then with them, 20-10, and 10, let's say, for example. Those numbers can back it up. But at the end of the day, if guys are not hitting or guys are not pitching well behind him, you're not going to win games. And there's a reason why, even with your star players, you do not make the postseason. And it's because you do not have a good build around your star player, which makes it very tough to tell who the stars are in baseball, which, again, baseball tries to tell us who they are, but they don't market them. And with that, I'm going to wrap it up for today's Brands World, a show that I thought was going to go pretty quick, actually flew by. I thought it was going to be uh, a little bit of a shorter show than what it has turned into. Really enjoyed talking about these two topics today, whether it was the NBA draft or whether it was Shohei Otani and whether or not there is a best player in Major League Baseball. Once again, we are in collaboration with the one and only Voltage Live. This is Brandon Lewis from Brand's World. We are available on all audio and video podcasting platforms. We will be back on Tuesday bringing down all things sports. I'm not going to give you guys any general topics yet. We'll see if anything comes out, any major NBA trade news coming out of the draft or anything like that as we head into the last week of June. As always, I thank you guys for listening and or thank you for watching. We'll see you on Tuesday. And peace.